Thrive Suite Productions presents The Perception Veil. Hairy creatures lurking in the woods. Distant howls from unknown beasts echoing through a forest full of trees. The snapping of twigs from behind you, indicating you are being followed and watched. Reports of sightings and encounters with hairy beasts in the woods date back centuries, and they still pop up today. This is a story I received a few years back from a guy who told of his encounter with a strange creature that he gave a funny name to without seeing it. And then once he did see it, he realized there was nothing funny about this creature at all. It was the summer of 1993. In what feels like the dark ages now, the internet was still several years from becoming ubiquitous, as were cell phones. Phones were still mostly landlines. I remember UB40 all over the airwaves that summer with their rendition of Elvis Presley's I Can't Help Falling in Love with You. That song still makes me wretch now because I heard it so much that summer. But the biggest thing from that summer that I remember and will never forget is the terrifying creature I saw. It's taken a long, long time to finally understand what I saw all those years ago in a small park in southern Indiana. It was the summer that I will never forget. I'm 46 now, and what I saw that summer changed the way that I see the world and nature, but especially the way that I think of the supernatural world. I didn't know much about cryptids at that time. Like I said, no internet. I had, of course, heard of Bigfoot and thought it was a myth or perhaps uh, cases of mistaken identity. I had seen werewolf movies, but at that time thought they were nothing more than folklore made up to scare people in the days of the Salem witch hunts or to keep children close to their homes at night. But after what I saw that night, I don't believe it's a myth anymore. I can't. I've been forever changed by what I encountered on that summer night. Okay, so first off, a confession. Did I smoke pot that summer? Yes. Did I do it a lot? No. See, I was never much of a stoner. Pot always had effects on me that I deemed less than enjoyable. First, it always made me very, very paranoid. Second, it made me hungry. And lastly, sleepy. I just didn't dig feeling that way. You want to do it? Fine. Me? Just didn't enjoy it. Yeah, but I would partake from time to time with friends and the spirit of going along to get along. And such was the case the first time that I saw the creature I eventually called Piggly Wiggly. There was this guy named Jeremy that was new to the apartment complex I lived in at the time. He was cool and we became good friends almost immediately. He also got along with my best friend Charlie Jeremy had a very troubled home life, and his mother was a very avid pot smoker. Thus, he had access to it most all of the time. 
One day, he invited Charlie and me to go with him to the woods behind the apartments to smoke a little. Now, that's woods with air quotes around it, as they were not really what I think of when I think of woods. Not the kind of area you would expect to experience nature or anything like that. It was just a bunch of trees for a few hundred yards. It had a trail that led from the apartments to a little park where we used to go play basketball. It had a creek bed that ran adjacent to the trail on the south side with maybe another 50 to 100 yards of woods on the far side of the creek. And then it was houses, lots and lots of houses. So, like I said, not a deeply forested area and certainly not a place that you would expect to encounter much in the way of nature. I had lived with my dad in West Virginia for several years, and I had hiked with him in real woods and encountered real nature. We had even come face to face with a bear once on an afternoon hike in a West Virginia state park. I doubted if the little woods that I was in at this point ever had even seen a deer. Squirrels, yeah, but that was all I figured lived in that tiny section of woods. One important thing to note, however, is that on the north side of these woods and park was a fenced-in rock quarry. Anyone who has ever studied deep underground military bases might find that fact interesting. I don't know if the quarry was linked to any particular underground secret base, but you know, just yeah, keep that in mind. So the three of us walked back into the woods to find a safe place to smoke. We got far enough off the trail where we felt secure and actually came all the way to the creek. We decided that this was secluded enough to smoke a little. We took turns hitting the joint as one would smoke, the other two would kind of face away from the creek, just watching towards the trail to make sure no one was heading our way. Uh, I had hit it two or three times already and felt that first wave of paranoia start to creep in. (laughs) I was thinking, I sure hope the FBI aren't out here on patrol. Now, I know the thought of FBI agents in a tiny wooded section of a local neighborhood park in southern Indiana is absurd. But that silly thought was still in my head when I heard it. From the other side of the creek, I heard footsteps running as if in a mad dash, running down the creek bed hill, splashing through the shallow water. I knew all that was left for the runner to do was to come up the creek bed hill on our side of the creek, exactly where Charlie was standing. Jeremy and I were facing the other way, but we both heard the splashing water, and I think most of southern Indiana must have heard Charlie scream, Run! We darted off through the woods and back toward the trail. I had this visual image in my head as I darted off of two men with blue windbreakers and ball caps with the letters FBI on them, hot on our trail. I ran even faster, not sure exactly where Charlie and Jeremy were in relation to me. I could hear them, but I was running so hard my eyes started to tear up, and mixed with the buzz it was as if I were running through a tunnel and everything in my peripheral vision was darkened. I just kept listening to my friend's footsteps and adjusted my direction towards them. As I was running, I ran right through a giant spider web. The park was full of spider webs, of course. They were creepy, and I really hate spiders. Anyway, I realized I now had a thick web all over my head, stuck to my face, while running full speed through the woods. 
After about a short time running, all three of us made it out of the woods, past the park, and into the neighborhood. Charlie had made it first, and I was last. I saw Charlie slow down and begin to walk, and since he was the one who knew what was going on, I figured it was safe to stop running too. I looked at my friend and asked with sincerity, Was, was it the FBI? What? What? No. Charlie then hesitantly said, It was a... a monster. <laughs> I laughed right away. Here I thought I was being chased by authorities, envisioning years in prison, and it was my best friend's imagination? His face was pale. He was shaking, and although I knew he was not joking, I couldn't help myself from teasing him. <laughs> yeah, right, like a, a piggly wiggly monster. Now, I don't know why I said that, I had seen a Piggly Wiggly grocery store once or twice in my lifetime. There wasn't one in our neighborhood or even in our town that I can recall. But, you know, why that came out of my mouth, I'll never know. And still, the name stuck. And all these years later, the creature is still called that by my old friends and me. I could tell Charlie didn't want to talk about it, but I couldn't let it go. We took the long way back to my apartment, navigating through the neighborhood streets and staying away from the woods. The whole way back, I kept pressing him to talk to me. He was very reluctant to speak. I was never known to go easy on my friends when they said or did something stupid, so I could understand why he didn't want to open up. He knew I didn't believe him, and I had teased him when he first said it was a monster. His mannerisms and strange behavior made me think it was more than just that, though. It seemed almost as if he was hiding something from me. Charlie and I didn't hide anything from each other in those days. We were closer then, uh, sort of like brothers. We knew everything about one another. Or so I thought. When we got back to my place, Charlie said there was something he wanted to tell us. He said, it's something he was sworn to secrecy about, and that's why he had never told me. And by this time, my buzz was gone, and if the chase hadn't sobered me up, then this completely surprising revelation that Charlie had a secret that he never shared with me was enough to do the trick. Three years prior, Charlie said he was camping with five of his friends in those woods near the park. It was dark, and the boys were in their tent telling stories and just you know, doing what teenage campers do. He said they kept hearing a rustling sound, maybe 30 to 60 feet away in some taller brush. They tried to ignore it at first, but it just wouldn't stop. And a couple of the boys decided to take some flashlights and go check it out. Two of them walked out of the brush where the sound was coming from, and they shined their lights at the thing moving around. In horror, they both turned towards the tent where the other campers were watching with their heads sticking out of the zipper and yelled, Run! At that point, he said the monster came charging at them, came straight towards the tent, and it was a mad scramble as all the boys tried to get out of the tent and away from this creature. They all made it out safely and retreated to the apartment of some friends where they all stayed the rest of the night. One of the guys told his dad about the encounter. His dad was a police officer, and he took their story seriously enough that 
He took another officer with him the next day and searched those woods. The officers found what they said was a homeless man sleeping near a creek bed near the quarry. This would have to have been a different creek than the one we were at that day, as that creek and the quarry were on opposite sides of the trail. I'm guessing this is beyond the no trespassing fence line that belongs to the quarry. The sleeping man woke up, saw the officers, and ran. But after that, the boy's dad called all the boys in together and, and he warned them to never speak of this to anyone again. And then that family moved away rather quickly. That seemed a bit odd, and I sat there taking all of this in. Charlie was not lying. He may have been completely wrong about what happened, and I was pretty sure he was, but what he was saying, he sincerely believed happened to him. I didn't believe there was a monster living in those shallow woods, not for a second. But still, the thought of it being true excited me. I had to know now. I had to find out for myself. I decided we had to go out and find it. Jeremy was more skeptical than I was, but he was all for a monster hunt as well. Charlie was very, very much against it. It took a lot for me to convince him. I had to use the old reverse psychology trick, saying, no one's going to believe you unless we see it for ourselves. Eventually, something I said finally got through to him, and he agreed to go. And I came up with a plan to find the creature. I would take some stakes out of my freezer and tie them to a tree on the trail about three-fourths of the way to the park. Then we would take some flashlights after dark, walk along the trail until we arrived at the park and see if this thing was real or not. We would stop along the way, see if the meat was still hanging from the tree, or perhaps catch the supposed beast eating a big steak. We enlisted two other friends of ours to join the search party. I told them my plan and took one with me to verify that I'd set up the bait. I didn't want to be accused of rigging the outcome. We walked about three-fourths of the way through the park, and I found a tree that would be easy to spot at night, and I climbed up about ten feet from the ground. I didn't want it to be too low that a, a dog could get it. I tied it up, and then we walked back. I've got to say that I was growing very excited for this adventure, and I spent the rest of the day telling other friends what we were doing and trying to get others to come along with us. In the end, though, it was just the five of us. And that night when it got dark, we met at my house, and we had two flashlights, and Charlie brought a small bat, and we went over the plan again. I told them we would walk the whole trail to the park, on the way, check to make sure the raw meat was still hanging from the tree we started towards the woods. We could just barely see the trail when one of the boys who agreed to come hunting with us got cold feet and said he had to go home. Now it was four of us. Honestly, I couldn't understand how anyone would want to miss out on this fun. As we approached the edge of the woods, I was surprised by how timid Jeremy had become. He believed in this story less than any of us yet I could sense a little fear oozing from him. I wasn't afraid at all and decided to take the lead position. Besides, I had hung the stakes and would know when we got to the tree. It had gotten dark on the trail, 
and the treetops covered any light. It still seemed fun to me as we began down the trail towards the park. I knew everyone behind me was a little scared, but honestly, I don't think I was. Not yet, anyways. I had spent so much time in much deeper woods, often by myself. And again, this was not really the woods at all. Besides, I still believed nothing could live in this tiny wooded area. However, out of respect for Charlie, who I knew did not want to be there, I decided to not clown around and try to scare the others. We were about a quarter of the way to the park when the sounds started. It was coming from the direction of where we were heading. It sounded like someone was breaking sticks. And then it stopped. No sound for a few minutes. And then again. Snap. Crack. Snap. In my mind, only a human would be doing that. Why would a creature be breaking sticks? And again, why would a person be at the park at night breaking sticks? It didn't make a whole lot of sense. As we got closer to the park, the sound got louder and louder. And I started to get that creepy feeling in my stomach. The others, too, were getting creeped out by the sounds as well. And we're talking about you know, turning around. I kept trying to press them by saying, just a little further to the tree, guys. We have to see if the stakes are still up there. We finally got to the tree, and I shone the flashlight around to look for my stakes. By this time, the cracking of the sticks had stopped, and it was very quiet all around us. No crickets, no noise from the night. I waved my flashlight up to where I'd hung the meat. Nothing. It was gone. Now, I was very creeped out. What in these woods could climb a tree and get to that meat? In the most calm voice I could muster at that moment, I said, Let's get out of here. I was the leader of this expedition, and I decided we were closer to the park than the apartments. The park had lights on the far end and houses just past it. We had not heard the stick-breaking sounds, or again any sounds for that matter, from the park for several minutes. But I didn't run, I didn't want to spook the others. I did pick up the pace a little bit, and no one complained about that. I kept thinking, what have I gotten us into? And then we came to the end of the trail, and out of the woods. Whew, I was relieved to be clear of the trees. And not too far off was the streetlight and all the houses kept on walking right through the park, and that's when I saw it. The monster that became known as Higgly Wiggly. Standing just outside the moonlight in the shadows of a picnic shelter, it was far enough away that I couldn't get a great bit of detail but close enough to know that it was not quite human. It was standing on two legs, a little hunched over, hairy, with long, strong arms, maybe six feet tall. At first, I thought it was my imagination, mine playing tricks on me. It's hard to describe 
what you think when your natural mind comes into contact with the supernatural. It's confusing and overwhelming and very real. And yet, it's also unbelievable. All those things at once. It feels very similar to being in a dream. The boy behind me had stopped walking as well. I could tell he too was seeing what I was seeing. Charlie had also spotted the figure. All this seemed like minutes, but it was actually only seconds. And the creature was definitely staring at us. And then he stood up. And now seeing it shift its position, I knew it was not my imagination anymore. We took off and sprinted to the house line just outside the park. We were in disbelief. When we stopped, we were talking over one another about what we had just seen. And Charlie never told us what it looked like. What the heck was that thing? We asked each other. Was it a, a monkey? A, a Bigfoot? A, a werewolf? We were in a bit of a shock. Well, all of us, except Jeremy, that is. You see... He was the last in our single-file line, and by the time he reached the end of the woods where we had all stopped to see the creature, the three of us took off running before he had seen the thing. Not wanting to be left behind, he too began to run without knowing why. Great, I thought to myself. Without Jeremy, the most skeptical of all of us, to corroborate our story, we might as well not even have come on this search party. The whole thing would be fruitless. So I decided the only way for him to believe us was for me to show him the creature. The other two boys refused to take one step closer to the park. They had seen all they needed to see and were not going to be persuaded. They were much wiser than I was. I walked back about 200 feet or so with Jeremy. When I stayed within the light of the street lamp that lit up the driveway of the park, I felt for some reason that being in the light made us safe. I've got no idea why I thought that. We could see the picnic shelter from there, but I didn't see the monster at all. He was gone. I was bummed that the monster was no longer standing where he was before. I thought, great, now he's going to think we're all crazy. Serves me right, I guess. <sighs> I sighed heavily in defeat and said to him, He was right over there, man, I swear. I pointed to the dark shelter. But as I turned to where Jeremy had been, I noticed that I was now alone. Jeremy was gone. I thought to myself, Huh, what's all that about? As I straightened my head back, I saw the creature charging at me at full speed. He was already within the light of the street lamp. And now I had a perfect view of this freak from less than 20 feet away. It had a long muzzle like a wolf. It was covered in brown fur with some gray mixed in. Around its head was even longer hair, almost like a lion's mane. It was very muscular. And when it ran, it would touch its ape-like arms on the ground for stability. Its face was canine, but 
took all this in as I breathed in a very tight and shallow breath. My mind was processing information at a rapid pace as fight or flight kicked in. I sure as heck had no intention of fighting. And I turned and I ran faster than I have ever run in my life. I even passed Jeremy, who had spotted the beast before me and failed to say anything to me before taking off. I wasn't happy with him for just leaving me standing there. Later, he admitted he tried to yell, tried to give me a warning, but no sound came out. He had seen the thing as it approached us just before it came to the light. He didn't get great detail, but he saw enough to satisfy his skeptical mind. He knew he was looking at a bipedal, dog-like creature. He would later describe it as a dog-bear-looking thing that ran like an ape. He made it back home safely, as we all did. I took my dog to the park the next day, and she was going crazy. I let her go, and she kept barking at a tree that had fallen. I inspected the tree and noticed a bunch of broken sticks beside it. I immediately thought of the sounds from the night before. And then I noticed something else inside a hollow of the tree. Bones. Lots of small animal bones. I don't know if they were local dogs or squirrels. I don't know. And I did not do any CSI work to figure it out either. I never hunted the monster I called Piggly Wiggly after that night. I have done research since, and thanks to others' encounters and descriptions, I am fairly certain that what nearly turned me into a pile of bones all those years ago was a dogman. It wasn't a bear, it wasn't a lion, it wasn't a sasquatch, it wasn't an ape or a werewolf. It had characteristics of all those, but it was very much canine. It was a dogman. I still like camping and hiking in the woods, but I never go alone, and moreover, I never go into the woods after dark, because you never know what is watching you. Hey, this is Steve White, the host of The Perception Veil. I'd like to thank you for stopping by and listening to this episode. It was sent to me by a real person about his real experience. If you have a paranormal, supernatural story that you would like to share. I'd love to read it, or even better, have you tell your own story. Send your story to theperceptionveil at gmail.com, and I'll be in touch. Also, if you like the podcast, rate and review wherever you listen. And if you'd like to support in another way, you can buy me a coffee. There's a link in the show notes. Be well and I will see you on the other side of the veil soon. This has been a Thrive Suite production. Copyright 2023. All rights reserved.